Ah, take your time, get comfortable everyone. I'm sitting down today, even though the theme is walking. <laughs> this series over January has been called In Short. Now the previous two speakers wore shorts. <laughs> they misunderstood that it was In Short. Uh, however, I decided I'd concentrate on walking because uh, the subtitles were walking. Obadiah, we had, can you remember what that was walking in? As family. As family. Thanks, Wayne, you must have listened. Uh, now, Wayne's not allowed to answer this question. When we did the book of Philemon, what was the title, can you remember? Walking? in partnership, great. And I needed a lot of partnership to get here today. I really did. And you know, that has been a great learning experience for me about partnership, about walking as family. And today, it's about walking in love. We're gonna look at the book of 2 John Christy will do three John next week. You've got to wear shorts, Christy. <laughs> or bikinis. I did suggest a hammock, but never mind. Um, walking, walking. If you look at each of those subtitles that we had for the week, walking as family, walking in partnership, walking in love, walking in truth, that's 3 John. All of them have to do with relationships. And relationships can get broken. This is just introduction, there's nothing up there yet. Oh, it takes me a while, you know, to get warmed up. And I've got to talk about walking. <laughs> uh, it's about relationships. And most of us, at some stage in our lives, have had broken relationships. You just heard a story, a hope story about a young girl who's found Jesus in the midst of a broken relationship. Well, I broke my ankle badly. They said I did a very good job of the break, both sides, 10 weeks ago. So we've still got a few weeks to go with a moon boot. Incidentally, I can walk without my crutch now, but I need the crutch to poke you because I can't move quickly and I need others to know that uh, I'm there. <laughs> and as they get in the way, I can just trip them up. <laughs> but what I discovered about a break is that it makes you stop. Just like in our hope story, it made her stop. Is there more? And my break definitely made me stop. And uh, it was simply done, it was quickly done, but it made me stop so that healing could happen. Healing takes time. But not only did it take time, I needed to become very dependent on others. That is very hard to be dependent. Okay, the first day or so, it's novelty. Will you get me this, will you get me that? Hey there, you know. But after a while, it is very, very hard. 
and we need support and we need systems. And so it is with walking. Can you remember for those parents or even all of us learn to walk sometime, can you remember the joy in learning to walk? Okay? It's got the first step all over Facebook. First step, first step. Falls down and what do you do? Encourage them to get up. It's not bad. It's not wrong that they fell over. And so with relationships, it takes time. It takes support, emotional support, spiritual support, most of all, time. Well, I had lots of time on my hands. I had to sit and I had to ponder and think. Now, initially, after about the third day, I decided I had to make this a positive experience because how can you sit all day if you don't, you just go into depression and misery. So I had to sit there and think and ponder and read and communicate and be grateful. Every day I sat down as usual and wrote my list of thanksgiving, all the things I was thankful for. People came, people visited, but often I was sitting and it was time for reflection. It was time for meditation, it was time for reading. I did have fun and I did do other stuff too, like watching the tennis. You ask me anything about the tennis, I can probably tell you. Um, but along the way, the most important thing was that healing had to take place before I could walk again. I've still got two weeks with a moon boot. Then I've got probably three, four months, maybe a year before the rest of the muscles can take me back to a place, hopefully, where I was before. And if we've got broken relationships, either with God, in our families, or in our churches, we need to give ourselves time for the brokenness to come together. Maybe one of the children can, walk, can, can illustrate broken love and healing love coming together. But we've got to give ourselves time. We have to look at the support systems we need. But for those, those of us around them, we need very much to be encouragers, to be the support that they need, to give them time to get it right. And when they fall and when they stumble, what do we do? Pick them up again. So that's what I've learned about walking. But my theme is about to John. Excuse me while I get some notes, or we might be here all day because I've had eight weeks sitting without talking. <laughs> so I better stick to the notes. So let's just have a look at the backstory. You know, that's the why were these books written? And one, two, three, John really come in a package. I don't know if you've ever read them all in one sitting or not, but it's a great read or a listen, if you want to listen to it, just do it sometime. One, two, three, John. It's written because of a crisis, brokenness, or potential brokenness. A crisis is happening. And I'm sure the author, which we'll talk about in a minute, would have liked to have had other reasons for writing. But what had happened in the new churches as they sprung up in different places throughout the then known empire, in the little house churches, in the house, uh, places that gathered by the river, that gathered in the Roman centurion's house, in all of these places, 
the people were in danger, especially those who remembered the good old days of Jewish solidarity, where we knew what our fathers before us and the fathers before us believed and practiced and waited for the Messiah. And so the Jewish communities which had embraced Jesus were in danger of losing the significance of Jesus and of having this as a legend or a fairy tale diminishing who Jesus was. They started or were in danger of believing that Jesus had not come in the flesh and was God. Simple as that. That was their danger. They were in danger of becoming tradition-focused, culture-focused, family-focused. They were in danger of losing the significance of Jesus. And of course, for those who were new believers, they were in danger of thinking that Jesus wasn't enough, that they had to make it a lot more attractive. And so it was written because false prophets were there. False prophets will always be among us. They were there in the New Testament. They're here today, not necessarily here. They're in our world today. There are those, and, and John, this little letter calls the, these false prophets ones who have the spirit of Antichrist. He actually calls them Antichrists. Or they are deceivers coming around in the fellowships. So that was why it was written. It was written because of a crisis. Now, as I look in these three books, first of all, because I'll introduce this, it'll say Christy next week. <laughs> One, two, three, John. It was written because of a crisis, but there's nothing new in these books. And you know, every Sunday that you come along here, we don't say anything new. We just wrap it up differently. The story is our God loved us so much that he sent his beloved son, who is God, into this world. This world which had rejected him, this world that he called at enmity with him. He sent this son to take upon himself our condemnation, our sins, our shame, our hostility, our pride. And he took our place and he died for us so that we might have peace with God. It's the simple gospel story. And even the young kids over here can understand that. And the older ones who've been coming for years continue to marvel at the simplicity. And that's one of the reasons why we celebrate communion the simplicity, and yet the mystery, the magic of what Jesus has done. Don't let it go, okay? So it's simple, nothing new. And the key word in all of these books is fellowship. Fellowship, that's what Jesus came to do, is to restore brokenness. Brokenness with God, brokenness with others, brokenness with ourselves, and just brokenness. That's 
So the key word is koinonia, that Greek word that we've had three weeks in a row now, I think. Fellowship, fellowship. Koinonia comes from the Greek word which has the understanding of commonness, that which we have in common. What do we have in common? One thing, Jesus. I've loved the songs so far this morning. They kept taking us to Jesus, Jesus. So when we come before God, the commonness is what we are human. We have been created by our God. We are equal and we are included in his family. It's about Jesus. More about the backstory, one John. If I look at this and just wanted to put a little title over it, and this is a little bit stretched, but I'm doing it anyway. Fellowship with God, and the key word is light. You read it and you color in light. See how many times it's mentioned. Walking in the light means I'm walking in fellowship with God. And that light will so work in my life that it will come out in fellowship with others. But look at this second one. I've called it fellowship with the Antichrist. The antidote to that is walking in love. Okay? I'll pick that up later. Three John, fellowship with others, walking in truth, and I'm not going there, hopefully today. Next week, come for that. So let's just look at one more thing about the backstory. The three books are all about hospitality. Hospitality is very important in an Eastern culture, and it has been important in many other cultures. When we were in Georgia, a couple of years ago, it's coming up for four or five years, the people always kept their front door open and always set a place at the table for the stranger. Hospitality, always welcome. Now that was a practice, now I think they lock their doors probably now with the change of thing, but those who are steeped in the tradition of their culture and religion will always do that. And right throughout the Old Testament, hospitality was important. It was about survival, it was about safety, it was about protection, it was about so many things. Welcomed them, brought them to their table, looked after them. You read the scriptures from a hospitality lens and you'll see it very differently. That's why in Romans chapter 14, chapter 12, it says, practice hospitality. Now, once upon a time, the New International Version made a mistake in the first edition of the NIV. And they put, practice hospitality, practice hospitality. They repeated it. And I thought that was a very good mistake because it's what we Westerners need to know. I still have a copy of that Bible. Um, anyhow, the issue is about hospitality. What's hospitality? I'm the host, you're the guest, I am to accept you. And uh, accept the stranger, it may be an angel. That's what Hebrews says. Acceptance, welcome. And this is about hospitality, but it's also about false hospitality. So let's keep going. It starts off very simply, to John, it says, the author's name is the Elder. Traditionally, we believe that John the Apostle wrote these epistles, the Gospel of John and Revelation, and it almost seems as if he wrote as much as Paul. However, it doesn't really matter who wrote them. That's tradition, we don't really know. But I'm going with John, okay? I'm going with John. And in this book, he calls himself an elder, the elder. And yet, at the end of the book, we know that he was not yet exiled 
in Patmos, as we read in the book of Revelation. So it's probable, if it was John, he's writing from Ephesus, and he's writing to some of the churches around, in particular here, to one church. Now the word elder, he could have written the beloved apostle, the beloved disciple, the disciple Jesus loved. Hey, here's my selfie with Jesus. I was with him. He could have done that, but he just calls himself elder. I used to struggle about the fact that John was called the disciple Jesus loved. I thought, Jesus doesn't have favourites. And I've looked around and I thought, oh, they look as though they're Jesus' favourites because, you know, God answers their prayer and it looks like things, good things only ever happen to them. Then once I really got it, do you know, what it, do you know why John could write that? because he knew he was loved. We're all his beloved, okay? But he knew it, and he grabbed hold of it, and he called himself the beloved, the one Jesus loved. And guess what? You are too. One writer once said, Jesus has no favorites, and I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's go into the next verse. It's to written to the lady chosen by God and her children. I don't know if it was a specific lady that had a name. I don't know whether it was a lady who was the host of a house church or a church where people gathered. I don't know whether it was a lady who was gathering people around and she was the head of the little church. I don't know if it is the lady as representing the total church. I don't know. But at this stage, it's written to a congregation because there's a crisis and her children. So I tend to think it's someone who's leading a church gathered a whole lot of believers around her, okay? So there we are. And this is what John says. He knows this person. He says, I love, whom I love in the truth. Isn't that a beautiful way to love? Love in truth, with integrity, with honesty. Not only I love her, but also all who know the truth, because the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. That's the beauty of truth. I, won't, I just want to say one thing about truth. Truth is not a statement of things to believe. Truth is not just what's written in the Bible, okay? When we go with what is just written or statements about God or constitutions or statements of faith, we end up legalistic and judgmental. What did Jesus say? I am truth. Truth is a relationship which can transform all of those statements on belief into actions of love. And that's where we're going. So this truth lives within us, and his name is Jesus. Or the Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Truth. And here comes a little greeting, which is in most of anything that was written by Christians. The greetings, uh, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. Just a little prayer, a little greeting, powerful. Grace, what you don't deserve, there it is for you. Mercy, not getting what you deserve, and peace. Whatever your circumstance, wherever you are, 
knowing the wellness of it is right, it's okay, God is with me. Already, the issue is being addressed here from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son. And so he writes, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one that we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you've heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Walk in love. It's walking in truth, which will be dealt with next week. It's not a new commandment. Jesus has said it over and over, but so did Moses in the Old Testament. But notice, it is a command. And so here's my question to you. Can you command anyone to love? Hey, you, love him. Hey, you, love her. And listen, don't use the words, I love you, but I don't like you. That's not acceptable. You can say, I really love you, but I don't like the way you're behaving. I don't like the way you eat. I don't like the way you speak. I don't like the way you dress. I don't like the way you walk, because it's usually something very tangible we don't like, okay? But we have to be honest and name the stuff that we don't like and see what it triggers in us as to why we don't like it. But love is a command. How well are we at obeying that command? Here's my truth, I can't do it. I can't obey it. Without the love who lives within me. So sometimes I have to say, my Father, my God, I don't really... Usually I say like, because it doesn't sound as harsh. I don't love that person as you love that person. I need to love that person as you love that person. That always helps me as I add that little bit, as you love that person. One of the things that helped me is that the person next to me, the person behind me, the person over there, the person I avoid, is loved by God just as much as I believe he loves me. That helps me. And then it helps me to ask that God's love, as promised in Romans 5, will flow through me to others in actions that spell out love. Walk in love. Walk in love. This is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I want to suggest that the only way I can define what walking in love means is to look at Jesus. Okay? Not necessarily with what he says. Not necessarily with what the preacher says. Not necessarily what the teacher says. But by what Jesus did. 
and I need to keep going back to the Gospels, going back to the Gospels. How did Jesus treat a person who broke the Ten Commandments? We know that the Pharisees had brought the woman along and were ready to stone her. Don't know what they were going to do to the man. They were ready to stone her. And Jesus, she comes to Jesus. He demonstrates love. forgiveness and truth. He says to these people, if you are without sin, you can throw the first stone. Silence. Shuffling away. A woman left, confronted with Jesus, and he wants her to go and sin no more. That's love. That's walking in love. That's not legalistically applying the law. You got that? That's walking in love. Look at every story as an application of the Ten Commandments. Divorce, adultery, the wise among them. Look how he treated Nicodemus, teacher of the law, comes, trying to get some discussion. And all Jesus says is the simple thing. You've got to be born of the Spirit. Haven't got a clue what it means. Got to be born again. Because his head is filled with knowledge. So he takes them on and he shows us how to love. This is the commandment. And I just want to pause a little bit and go back to the Great Commission to show us what our job as believers and as Christians are. We probably know parts of this very well from Matthew 28 when he said, Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. We do that bit quite well. But what else does it say there? And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So disciples need the constant teaching from Jesus to know how to be his disciple. We, don't, we become a disciple overnight, but we learn to walk as disciples for the rest of our lives as we continue to obey and follow and get engrossed and enmeshed in Jesus. So back to John, he says, I say this because many deceivers who don't acknowledge Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. What are they saying? Jesus didn't come as a baby at Christmas time. Jesus didn't become a human. Fairy tale, fairy tale, can't do it because tradition says it. And if you're a Greek, nothing good can be of the body. That's another story. But they're saying that Jesus hasn't come in the flesh. No Christmas story. And such, and, and these people have gone out into the world, and this is what they're teaching. There are a lot of itinerant people moving around teaching sharing with bits and pieces that they had done and then the make-up stories that went with us. Watch out. Watch out. Don't lose what we, your teachers, have worked hard for, to share the truth, to demonstrate the truth, to teach you to obey. And you will be fully rewarded if you continue. Here's a warning. Here's a warning. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. That is heavy. That's heavy. I want you to notice that. If you do not have the teaching of Christ, you do not have God. 
more about that. Whoever continues in the teachings has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not, do not, do not in any circumstance take them into your house, the house of God, and welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. And that's where we've got fellowship or partnership with false teachers or antichrist or deceivers means that we participate in their work. We are giving them a place to promote the false teaching, the deception. Do you follow that? We are giving them, so it really is to leaders, to household leaders, to small groups, that anyone who does not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, come in the flesh, dwelt among us, lived among us, gave his life for us, and will take us back to him. These are deceivers. Now, I'm not talking about explorers, people who don't know and are just discovering this. Who is this Jesus? That has an excitement about it. That has a, I'm willing to learn about it. Or a, oh no, you really mean? that Jesus can do this, that to get to know God, I get to know Jesus? Even Philip, one of the disciples, couldn't understand this. He said to Jesus, show us God, show us God. And Jesus just said to him, I've been with you. I'm with you. I am the way. I am the truth. I am what leads you to God. We don't want to share in the wicked world. This is a warning. And this is why we're very careful about who speaks from here. Sometimes, for new people, we even vet what they're going to say. Why? Because we want you to be protected. We want you to be safe. We want you to keep on knowing that Jesus Christ is the center of it all. So here we are. Whoever continues in this teaching has both the Father and the Son. You got that? Whoever continues in this teaching, walking in love is all about Jesus. It's about Jesus. What would Jesus say? What would Jesus do? Let me go to the Gospels. Let me find out. Jesus who lives in me, work through me, love through me, forgive through me, accept through me. And I'm not talking about hospitality to friends and explorers and neighbours. That is another thing. This is about deceivers who deliberately set out to argue, to divide. Know Jesus there's no knowing God. You've got to, if you want to know God, you've got to know Jesus. And so he gives this instruction to the people. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, don't take them into your house where they can have authority to teach. Don't do it. Where they can cause division. Where they can cause argumentation. Don't welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked world. And we don't want to do that. So walking as love is the ability also to say no. No to deceivers. Love discerns. Love does what John said in his first epistle. It says, test the spirits. See if they're from God. Ask the hard questions. Is Jesus Christ Lord? Is Jesus Christ come in the flesh? Is Jesus God? Not, did Jesus become God? Okay, that's different. Is Jesus God? Love follows the teaching of Jesus and does not give room for false teachers. Love welcomes all in the name of Jesus. If the name of Jesus cannot be welcoming, we don't want them. So love is saying no sometimes. Conspiring with the Antichrist, 
Deceiver or false prophets leads to division, argument, majoring on minors, but most of all, denying that Jesus is God who came in the flesh to earth. You got that? You got the message? You got the power of it? You've got the instruction? If we share in their wicked world, we are fellowshipping with Antichrist. And the writer finishes up by saying, I've got a lot to write to you. I bet he did. I bet he wanted to write other stuff. Wanted to share from his journal and from his experiences, but he had to write because there was a crisis. But I hope to come to visit you one day and just talk face to face. The children of your sister, the church here, the believers here, chosen by God, send their greetings. That, my friends, is briefly, in short, the message of 2 John. However, I would ask and pray for you today. Maybe you need to learn to walk again in love with Jesus as the center. I want to be able to pray for you. If you are on the journey and say, yeah, there's brokenness, broken relationship, broken with God, broken with myself, broken with others, I want to say yes again to Jesus. Or for some of you, yes again, yes to Jesus for the first time. So I'm going to stand, and you're going to stand if you want me to pray for you, okay? Let's just join in prayer. Stand if you would like some kind of prayer. Jesus to be the center. A church where Jesus becomes the one we love. A church where in partnership with one another, as the family of God, we learn to walk in love, welcoming and sharing. May the God who gives us grace, what we don't deserve, may the God who extends mercy, forgiving us freely for our brokenness, for our wrongs, for when love has not been the center. May there be peace. It is well with my soul as I look to allow God to bring in and help me ask for help alongside others so that we can walk together in love, healing relationships, giving ourselves grace, giving ourselves time. Lord, may we be a church that learns again and again and again to walk with Jesus as the centre. May you be the meaning of why we're here, the meaning in our relationships, the one who restores and renews. Pray your blessing on each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.